Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dispatch Podcast. It is the Weekend Review. Paul Cross here. I'm joined by Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi, Paul. And it has been, well, it's always an interesting week, I suppose, but we're all anticipating next week's budget. I'm not sure whether it's a mini budget, whether it's a budget update, whether it's a full-on budget. I suppose we'll find out next Tuesday. But what I do know is that all of the functions... in recent years, Carol, the budget has become like a Vegas spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> and you would go to Parliament House and it was all glitz and glamour and terrible food and wine, but very glitzy and it was all very exciting. But that's all been banned from Parliament House now. They're not allowed to do it anymore. Uh, the Prime Minister has restored the dignity of Parliament House, which I think is actually a good thing because when I when I started working in government, and this has shown my age, there was nothing. Budget night was you would announce the budget and... Do, do, the ministers would do media and then everyone would go home and go to bed. But now it's like this Vegas extravaganza where it's all functions and it's all a big fundraising event. So it's uh, the Prime Minister's banned that from Parliament House, but I think they've just moved it to um, all the hotels around. The bar down the road. The bar down the road. So I'm pretty sure that the realm is, is going to make a lot of money next <laughs> next. Next, next, next week because uh, that's where all of the events will be held. Uh, I'm not really sure what the point is, but anyway. So we've had a busy week. Very busy. Okay, the indicative outcomes of next April's statutory price reductions. You've got companies working madly with their responses, and they have what until next week to submit additional information. They have ten working days, so they got the indicative outcomes last week, and they have ten working days from when they receive the outcome to provide additional information. And obviously, like anything, you've got some companies that may have requested forty changes. They may have for four or changes for forty medicines, and you've got companies that have one medicine. So it's very variable. So companies who receive positive responses to their applications are really happy about it and the ones that didn't are not very happy about it. You know, I mean, it's, a, it's a bit of a laughable process to me because companies who had very justifiable cases on the basis of commercial viability and clinical need, th- those needs were acknowledged, but then, then their response would say, well, you know, yeah, that's all well and good, but we've got to deliver a savings, so you've still got to take some form of price cut. So it's just a negotiation. So we'll see how that goes next week, but it's going to be interesting because it's going to be delivered in budget week. And, of course, the Department of Health and Aged Care has a savings target to deliver, and it'll be interesting to see if they, the extent to which they're able to vary the reductions because they have to hit that target. So they're going to have to go and negotiate that with the Department of Finance, and, and that will be interesting. But it is, it's really important because it's a dreadful policy. It's just a terrible idea. Basically, it's a... You know, it's like a bowling ball, you know, you just knock the pins down and see which ones get up again. Uh, I think last week we described it as, you know, deliberately crashing the car and then complaining about the cost of having to fix it. <laughs> it's it's dreadful policy and I, and, I, and I can't believe it was ever agreed to, but this is where we're at at the moment. So that's, that's going to be really, really in- interesting next week. So the Senate is expecting to consider the enabling legislation for the reduction in the general co-payment. And Better Access Australia has been very vocal this week in calling for a freeze on indexation. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense when you consider inflation's as high as it is and it's probably probably going to get higher. So the copay is going to be reduced from $42.50, the general copay, 
to $30, but then the indexation is just restored. It's Indexation, obviously, is something the government really likes because it enables them just to maintain the cost of something. But it means that the reduction is works for a few years and then it's just constantly ratcheted back back up back up again. Um, but I think I think BAA has been really clever in advocating for the the a freeze on indexation across particularly down at the concessional level. Uh, you know, the idea I mean the idea that people who are on a pension, which is a few hundred dollars a week, can afford what is almost now seven dollars uh, for the multiple prescriptions they take, it's just crazy. It's just it's a really clumsy way of administering consumer interaction and input to a um, a copay and I, and and all public public health program. And I do think the Senate might take a closer look at this. And uh, I don't I don't think you know ostensibly you would say this is going to very easily sail through the Senate. My my guess is, and my prediction is that won't be the case. It's going to be quite closely scrutinised because it's got all of these flow-on effects. And I think Better Access have done a great job in just raising the profile of out-of-pocket costs when it comes to medicines. Okay, and the independent review of Australia's COVID-19 response has delivered outcomes many people expected, particularly on vaccine procurement and distribution. Yeah, so shock horror, Australia was really slow at <laughs> procuring vaccines. I don't no. think <laughs> Yes. So I, I think the interesting thing about this review is well it's independent it's probably independent, which I think is good, but it's described the flow on effect of that. We were told very early on in the pandemic that was the vaccine was the way out of the pandemic and then the government didn't really do anything for for so long. So it didn't really make any sense. So all of these other countries were scrambling to get at the front of the queue. Now, Australia was placed in the queue early on because you had these virtual distribution channels. So companies were assuming they would have a vaccine at some point. So companies, so countries were buying their way into the queue. And Australia kept getting put to the back of the queue. So it would, it would be presumptively put in the queue and then wouldn't sign anything and then would be put at the back of the queue and and this will, I think all of this will come out you know at a royal commission at, at, at some point because obviously the industry is reluctant to speak publicly about it but it was the worst kept secret at the time that companies were desperately trying to get the former government to engage on this and couldn't and we we as a country didn't have a national vaccine strategy until August 2020 by which time yeah, Israel early, was yeah. administering yeah, that, already. Yeah, that? That's right. yeah. So the UK and Israel were approving administering the vaccines by the time we were actually in discussions with companies. And so I don't think anyone should be surprised. And the, and the thing about this review is it says the lockdowns were really inequitable because they affect obviously affected poorer people more. Yeah, absolutely. People who, who couldn't work. And we'll remember early when those two public housing towers that were full of refugees in Melbourne were yeah. locked up. Or those remote communities that didn't have access to Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's it's just, and that that that. So there was a there was a practical consequence for those communities, and I think that's what. And and the, this review is a serious one. The people who led it were obviously very serious, uh, in people like Peter Shergold and Gillian Broadbent, and so they've delivered the outcome that I think many people expected. That, yeah. that we just didn't act quickly enough, and there were 
terrible consequences for it in no the end. No surprises there. No surprises. No, no surprises there. As we were publishing regularly at the time, guys, there's a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving along. The government has proposed reform of the post-market review process. And, Paul, you don't seem very supportive. Oh, I think this is absolutely outrageous. So these post-market reviews are basically price-cut mechanisms and they want to accelerate it and they've completely weaponised something in the agreements the Commonwealth is now in the process of implementing with industry groups. But they've decided that the problem is too much stakeholder consultation and so we've right. got a government that's consistently talking about the need for greater transparency and consultation on decision-making, and we've got this one area. But no questions, please. <laughs> yeah, but this one area is saying, no, 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 there's too much consultation. It's just outrageous, and uh, it needs to be stopped, and the, the industry needs to stop it, and whoever else is engaged in this needs to stop what they're proposing, which is the further centralisation of decision-making in a public health program and the exclusion of patient input and the lived experience of patients. I mean, it's the most appalling thing. And this is from an area of the bureaucracy that consistently delivers pretty appalling things, but this is completely out. They've outdone themselves. They, they, this is incredibly cynical and it's just it just can't be allowed. It can't be allowed to happen that this, this can proceed and – you, there'll be some people who go, well, you know, they they currently take two or three years, so this will be this will be quicker because it'll be twelve months, and therefore it's good. No, it's not. There's got to be rules based decision making framework, and any process, any proposal that seeks to diminish patient input should always be opposed, just as a matter of course. And so that's that's reason enough to oppose this. The time, the time excuse is just nonsense. So they're saying, well, they take two years, so what we're going to remove is all the consultation processes. And there's almost that Marie Antoinette view is that, well, we have this point of consultation and we just ignore it anyway, so let's just get rid of it. So it's like, no, you've misdiagnosed the problem. So I think that that this this is this needs to be really assertively opposed by people who have a stake in this system, which is 26 million Australians or whatever the population is at, at the moment. So end of the week, going into budget week next week, as you know, it's not going to be the Vegas extravaganza that it normally is in Canberra, but it is going to be interesting to see how this document looks because it's not the May budget, it is a budget update. So are we going to get the full budget document framework, budget paper number one, which is the strategic document, budget paper number two, which is all of the all of the measures. These are the significant uh, documents that we get. Or is it going to be more like a, a MIEFO, which is the mid-year update, where we actually don't get much information? I expect it will be the more the former than the latter, but obviously the government's been setting this up for some uh, uh, disappointing <laughs> Outcomes, but it will be it will be interesting. It's going to be a great time to be in Canberra as Budget Week always is, and all the hospitality joints are going to make an absolute fortune, which is which is what really really matters. So, um, and the summit is coming, and up. the summit is coming up in just over a week. We have Jed Carney, who's the Assistant Health Minister, officially opening the event. We have the member for North Sydney. Kylie Tink, who's got an agenda to uh, target the pharmaceutical in- industry and tax corporate tax reform, will be speaking at the event. So, and we have a taco table, everyone. Tacos. <laughs> we've got yes. a we've got a taco table. That's that's possibly 
just reason enough to be there. So registrations are still open. We've got over 100 people coming and we are really looking forward to it. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Paul. Have a good weekend.